When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah. A Ted Lasso podcast on post-show recaps. You better believe it. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here, as always, by a man who's never going to give you up, never going to let you down, Antonio Mazzaro. I'm never going to run around and hurt. Definitely not going to do no, any of that stuff. No. no. I will desert you, as in, like, I will make desserts and I will bring them to you. Oh, nice. What are, we, what are you making? Uh, I'm probably going to make some sort of gravity-defying cake. <laughs> Be careful. We're just going to end up talking about the bake-off instead Gravity of Ted Lasso. Gravity-defying biscuits for yeah. the boss. Yeah. How about a cannon that's sitting on top of, like, fondant that's sitting on top of, like, two mounds of flour? I'm going to make a gravity-defying cake that is Danny Rojas kicking a soccer ball upside down, and the soccer ball at the top of the cake is the cake. And Danny Rojas will be wearing pink slippers yes oh poor danny rojas i really <laughs> felt for him as somebody who antonio in the past year and a half getting close to two years uh has put on uh closed toe shoes probably double digits uh <laughs> and that's it like probably like an uh, like i feel like i am overshooting it by saying like i have put on closed toe shoes 20 times i think i'm I'm going over uh man he had my heart he really did he really did this week poor danny i have put on closed toed shoes a lot more than that but i've only put on like these kind of non-trainers shoes mm -hmm, yeah. uh maybe like two or three times and yeah absolutely brutal it just reminded me like why did we ever do this why is the society <laughs> yeah, have what we, do we agreed what do we get to keep from this right yeah. like what do we like what improvements Corns. do we get to take from this there should yeah. be like we Blisters. should be we should be able to glean some improvements from this nightmare time yes. and i think that should be like the uh the no wide dress acceptance of uh, the death of dress shoes yes yeah. and, and only. uncomfortable shoes for uh, for everybody yes. uh, we should get them out get them out of yep. there yep. no We're expectations all... for your feet your feet you do whatever you want <laughs> well, let's not go that <laughs> let's not go that far here it's too liberal for you okay. there are some people right. out there you say feet do whatever you want and we're I gonna know, end sure. up in a world that we do not want to we're gonna want covid back right well like, speaking not of that it's gone speaking of feet we are talking about six feet under not the tv show but oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> we are talking about a funeral this week yes. on 
Ted Lasso, which much of the episode uh, circles around. Um, we are talking about Rebecca's father passing away and the funeral that follows that uh, creates a lot of different stories for the various cast members. Obviously, a lot going on with Rebecca and Sam and specifically the end of that relationship, at least for now. Um, the reintroduction or at least the confirmation of a love triangle with Keely and Roy and Jamie. And I don't know that you can hear my eyes rolling as yeah, I'm saying those words, but too. they're rolling. They're yeah. rolling. Um, obviously, a lot more about Ted and what happened with his father and, and uh, Ted's memories of all of that and his increasing um, therapeutic relationship with Sharon. Uh, and then the big one is Danny Rojas' feet. Uh <laughs> And, uh, and of course, uh, what's going on with Nate and that very provocative Nate and Rupert scene that I think uh, caught a lot of people's attention, certainly the people who are like really watching the show closely. So um, just overall, just a, a ton going on this week, Antonio. Definitely. This is, uh, this is, uh, we had mentioned, I think it was, uh, I don't remember if it was Joe Kelly or Brendan Hunt, but their statement about some of these episodes that were added is they happen between when the shit's going down and when it's about to go down. Uh, and clearly it's about to go down and it's going down. Like clearly things are happening here. Big things are happening. I mean, we spent at least this season, uh, if not some elements of last with Rebecca's relationship issues and uh, where they would end up. And we know they ended up with Sam and to have that ending, at least in the way that it has so far, uh, is a big deal. Obviously, uh, finding out specifically everything that happened uh, with Ted and his father, uh, knowing the real grisly details of that, even though. It was presented in such a way that we were spared some of them, I think, and some of the emotion was shared uh, with Rebecca, the way that scene was edited. Uh, still significant revelations there. Only a couple episodes left in the season. Josh, the other thing is the team's record uh, posted very clearly in the background at the beginning uh, when they're all in Ted's office talking about death. Uh, and there are only two games remaining to play in this season for AFC Richmond, and they are in a great spot. So we'll definitely talk about that as well. Yeah, they're coming back. Um, but of course, they're in a great spot because uh, I don't know that this is the place to start, but we're just on the topic. Uh, like, clearly, like, Rupert's given up his shares. Yeah. He's washing his hands clean. Yeah. We're never going to see him again. Of, of AFC Richmond. So yep. his storyline is done. He's forever. done. Never in the show again. And I think when he got together with Nate at the end of the funeral and he's whispering to Nate, I think what he's whispering to Nate is like, uh, goodbye, old sport. Never going to see me again. Yep. I'm um, done. And you and I are definitely not going to be working together for some totally different rival uh, football club by the end of the season. Right. I'm definitely not going to buy Manchester City, uh, yeah. the the great enemy of AFC Richmond. Uh, I'm definitely not inviting you to be a part of the coaching staff. Definitely uh, not. Definitely City. not. Definitely not. Um, That's exactly what's going to happen, though. It seems like it. I don't know about the or Man some City version, element. Yeah, some, some version, version of, it, right? of this yeah. is where we're going. Some version of it. Uh, if you want to start there, we can start there. It's, it's, Rebecca noticed it. So there's at least some element of this is not going to sneak up on anybody, but who knows where Rebecca's head's going to be at. She's clearly It'll sneak up on Ted. She's clearly dealing with a lot of, and it's going to really sneak up on Ted because as we see Ted getting ready in his house, uh, listening to Easy Lover, uh, which he had mentioned in episode five when he was late getting down to talk to Coach Beard because his alarm didn't wake him up. And he said, that's how long it should take a man to get dressed. Uh, the Ted's got the picture that Nate signed of Ted and Nate, the gift that was given to him by Nate, right next to the picture of Henry on his dresser at home. Uh, so this is something very important to Ted, whether we've recognized that or realized that through Ted's actions, 
this season or not. Like, it's definitely going to sneak up on Ted. I still feel like Rupert is so scummy that there's some version of this that also burns Nate in the process, right? Like, he's going to get Nate to expose all the club secrets and, you know, really do bad. And then he's just going to leave Nate. Uh, he's not going to really have any use for him. Like, there's a there's a version of that story where Nate's kind of all alone and comes back to Richmond because Rupert has used him and thrown him away, um, like Rupert tends to do. So, any aspect of it is bad. There's no way that Rupert does something magnanimous and just gives his shares away. Uh, clearly, that's to position himself to buy some other club uh, or Bex to buy some other club, however it is. Um, and it's really probably just to spite Richmond. That just seems like where it's going. And it sure. sucks. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that there, there's even like too much to discuss about it other than to clock it. Yeah. Other than we'll we'll talk about that a lot more in season three. Yeah. We'll talk about that in more detail when it inevitably happens in yes. the next two episodes. Yep. 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 Uh, so, yep. Just putting that right out there. I mean, got to start on a depressing note, right? Because <laughs> this is like something of a depressing episode that is uh, attacking that stuff in Ted Lasso fashion. So I think like trying to really find like that, like, um, you know, that, that that beaming light of humanity in it, like allowing room for anger and sadness, but also forgiveness and self-acceptance uh, and self-appreciation and uh, community and all of those things that the show does so well, uh, I think, do collide at this uh, at the funeral that the uh, episode is sort of like structured around. You said community. The team is kind of like a study group, I guess. Yes. In a sense. In a, in a manner sense. of speaking. In a manner of speaking. Who is the Jeff Winger of Ted Lasso? Oh, who's the Jeff Winger of Ted yeah. Lasso? Yeah. This is tough. It doesn't really map, does it? No. Uh, maybe he's some kind of able. obnoxious... Yeah, like maybe it's Jamie Tart. And Jamie Tart is getting up to some real antics in this episode that have drawn the ire of many. I think there's so. an argument that Jamie Tart is Troy... Uh, yeah, that's that's a very good argument, actually. I'm persuaded. I don't even yeah. need to hear the argument. You're right. I think Roy Kent could be uh, conceived as a Jeff Winger type. If you're talking just about the people who play the sport or played the sport, um, I think when you start to open it up, uh, I think that um, uh, Ted Lasso is clearly the dean. Yeah. <laughs> I like Higgins as the dean as well. Higgins as the dean is pretty good. This is uh, this is really taking this podcast into niche territory. Yeah, Perhaps we yeah. should All right, save let's this. Back off, back off. Yeah, Let me just. Uh, I'm uh, just going to tiptoe with my we bare can, uh, feet. Tell you this. where this would go over real well, Josh, is in the post show recaps patron Discord. Yeah, it would. Uh, I'm not going to bombard you with the hey, it's the one year anniversary of the post show recaps Patreon program on October 1st, and we're really psyched about a lot of the cool things that we're going to be doing all month long. And you should check that out at patreon.com slash post show recaps, or you should check that out at patreon.com slash post show recaps on October 1st. I'm not going to bombard you with that. Okay. I'm just going to say that and yeah. then we'll move on. Yeah. But because of the community building podcast at Post Show Recaps, there's definitely some shared DNA there, uh, so we can get into that. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. Higgins is maybe too pure for community. Higgins, uh, Higgins' version of the afterlife, Josh, is worshiping at the feet of his cat. Like, how much more pure can you get? I mean, I know when, like, when when we lost our cats in the last few years before we got the new guard, uh, like, there was definitely like, "Am I gonna see you again, little buddy?" Oh my and, gosh! And uh, if Pardo could talk, he'd be like. <laughs> 
no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Pardo has the Roy Kent view. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and not because I won't be there, but because I will not be seeing you, sir. My life will have moved on without yes. you. All cats Someone, go to heaven. All wigglers. Oh my God. We don't know. Uh, we don't know where I go. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, the the Cindy Clawford calls are always going to uh, make me very very happy yeah. on this show. That's aimed um, specifically at you, but it for sure is the juxtaposition of Higgins wanting to be a cat that would. Be basically just uh worship at the feet of another cat and nate wanting to be a tiger so he could kill people who look at him wrong like those two things are pretty opposite in terms of why one would want to be a cat uh but i guess everybody wants to be a cat and that's why everybody wants to be a cat cool cat at the very least um so it's a big episode lots of different storylines is there one uh now that we've gotten the nate and rupert stuff out of the way that you really want to begin with do you want to do bigger picture like how did the episode overall land for you antonio i thought it was great my main takeaway from the episode is that they'll win all the emmys again we didn't uh talk about this yet on this podcast no uh, we didn't we recorded it and released like we recorded it right before the emmys we did we were in the green room i mean we were recording in the emmy green room in that tiny ass like indoor that was supposed to be outdoor tent situation uh, yeah yeah because uh, what we haven't disclosed is that we're just on the payroll yeah uh, and we've been hired to just like prop up the show yeah right because they, there's they all need this us. season two backlash so they need us to come they out here every week and like the show is excellent still and you guys are wrong but we're doing that we're doing that for apple money yes um but no we missed Which we will it we used to buy apples yeah uh green apples yes. uh but we we missed this we uh we finished recording and then like shipped out the podcast and then the podcast is in production at that point uh in post-production at that point we're like oh yeah shit the emmys uh so congratulations to everybody on ted lasso for the most part uh jason sudeikis hannah waddingham brett goldstein uh you know the the writing i think uh no the writing went to um to hacks actually if i'm not mistaken um but a lot of emmy love for ted lasso for season one and so you think that this is the episode for you that like solidifies that ted lasso season two is going to receive um an equal amount of emmy love Definitely for the acting performances of Hannah Waddingham uh, and Jason Sudeikis, I think like this is their I think this is the episode they would submit, I would assume. I mean, I, I don't know, but it's it's a tour de force in terms of the acting levels for both of them. The central scene that that links their stories together. And I do I mean, I don't know about you, but I did read that scene as them suggesting at a minimum that both of their traumas date back to a Friday the 13th. I'm not sure because of the way the scene was intercut that it was the exactly the same year, but Rebecca starts the story by talking about it was Friday the 13th, and Ted says it as well and said they were going to have a Jason movie marathon. So that's what you do on Friday the 13th. Uh, so it's definitely at least the same date, whether or not it's the same year. Um, they have this connection and they were divorced on the same date as well. Like not the same year again, but the same date. Uh, she's doing the anniversary of her divorce when he's filing his divorce papers. Like this is the thing. They are inextricably linked in a lot of these ways and ways that they don't always necessarily even realize. And so I, for that reason and for the reason of, um, the way that it, it sort of shared their pain. Uh, I, I really liked the way that this episode intercut their drama in the main moment, but I know that that's a divisive moment of the episode. How did you feel about the intercutting of the stories of Rebecca finding her father cheating and Ted finding his father deceased? Um, there are, are ways in which I think I would prefer those conversations to be done um, separately from each other. 
because I think they're obviously such foundational moments for each character. And uh, we've at least been waiting two weeks to to learn more about what happened with Ted uh, and get to that moment of him saying to Sharon, one of my favorite lines of uh, of the episode of like, I'll tell you anything. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you anything you want. Um, you know, when they're about to sit down, he's like, I'm ready to like, just like yeah. do this whole thing. Because she said she hated tea. Like yeah. it played so funny to yes. me when he said that yes. for that reason. Yes. It's like, now I know I can trust you. Yes. Uh, is, is really, really good. So I wish that there are ways in which I wish that, um, we had just gotten that straight, uh, that we had just gotten it totally straight. And for, uh, for Rebecca as well, there's obviously like a big crux for her as a character. Like, um, you know, it was it was obviously, I think, probably pretty foundational for um, her her marriage and, you know, her feelings towards marriage and her feelings towards uh, towards romance and like what all of this like a, a messed up relationship for sure. And like the anger that she has at her mother as well. Like I thought all of that felt very real and very raw and the kinds of things that like even when you are like you know, late in life and like you are uh, like firmly an adult, right? Like you're firmly ensconced in adulthood and you are still so angry about what your parents did. Um, like that all played really, really true. And I I would have loved that stuff to have played separately for the characters specifically. Um, but I also think that you bring up a really good point in the ways in which like those uh, events may share some like actual uh, like connectivity of like a Friday the 13th and these like horrible discoveries that happen for these two people who like really should not and frankly would not know each other if not for their pain. If not for their pain, these two never would have met. Exactly. Um, you exactly. Know, if not for these things that happened uh, to them and happened in their lives, they never would have ever found each other because Ted, you know, goes all in on like making sure that nobody never uh, stops uh, believing in themselves, making sure that nobody ever quits. No quitting, uh, and gets into you know uh, coaching professional sports. Um, you know Rebecca uh, finds herself in the position that she finds herself with so much like spite and rage, and I'll do anything to hurt this man, um, which is at least an echo of her relationship with her father, uh, and hires Ted. And yeah. so with, without these events, these events are are very very much uh, linked fundamentally to the core and what does it say about like um those two characters and their journeys together as the show progresses is you know up for you know your interpretation like the royal your interpretation um but i think um for me like no matter what like these are the these are the two central pillars of this show we love roy kent jamie tart's great all these characters are great and important and matter and make ted lasso work but ted lasso is like foundationally about ted lasso and i think like just a scooch underneath that is it's about uh it's about rebecca right um and i feel like having these stories happen simultaneously like it's not a coincidence too that like a lot of uh ted's panic attack journey you see rebecca either like directly involved with or remarking upon and like yep. observing directly yep. um so i think that like the intercut the intercut nature of the scene may be a little bit jarring and even with all of this being said still may not be my preference but i also think it's really true to sort of the fabric they're trying to weave i think that's i mean i think you've said a lot of really good stuff there um in terms of like there, there's also just the uh the logistics of like 
this is Ted Lasso, the show. So it will always, it, it's going to lean in on the emotional aspects of these things. Like we're going to have Ted having a panic attack while Let It Go is uh, being performed in Liverpool in season one. Like we're going to have these moments of high emotional uh, success or, or pleasure or high emotional depression or failure. Or I won't, I don't want to make it seem like depression is a failure in any stretch, but we're going to have highs and lows on this, on this uh, series. And I think the key for Ted Lasso is to balance those out. I think it does it so well. And I think making sure the high highs are never too high and the low lows are never too low. I mean, when they, uh, when they score the goal at the end of the first season, uh, and the high is so high. And then, um, Jamie Tart of all people gets the ball back and play and gets the goal set up and they get relegated. It's like, just these wild swings, uh, but they're always intercut or undercut. I mean, when we have Ted uh, really breaking down, we have the great moment of levity uh, where he says to Dr. Sharon, are you going to charge me for this session? And he said, of course. And it's like, well, I appreciate your integrity. Like, that's very funny. He also makes the joke about, I don't know if it's appropriate to ask you this, but can I have a hug, please? Like, those are moments to take away the the sting of the pain. But I think the intercutting also, while it does deliver on the, the the emotion, because you don't linger with Ted in that moment, because we don't cut away from him, because we are cutting away from him, I think we're removed from some of the really deep, deep, deep darkness um, that could emerge from that scene. So I think it also serves the function of putting the pain uh, at center stage, but, but spreading it out uh, and making it shared in that way. Uh, so it doesn't really drain you too much one way or the other. Um, so there's that aspect of it too. Your mileage may vary, as you're saying, like it, there are people that could prefer it another way, and I'm not going to disagree with them. For me, I will say it worked for the reasons you said. Um, their pain is not just their pain, right? Like the decisions they make as a result of it affect other people. Um, this is the way pain works, right? We've said it on this podcast and it's said in the world, hurt people, hurt people. And this is, uh, so their pain has been shared by others in their lives. It makes sense that as they're sharing it, uh, in these key moments, it would be shared, uh, with us. Like it's, it's shared, it's collective. Like this is pain that does not just affect them. It affects others around them so putting it together like that uh i think really also serves to show that that it isn't just that these two are linked which it also of course shows as you're saying um, it shows i think that this pain is something that is shared by everybody uh and as a result because as you're saying it causes them to make the decisions they've made in their lives causes them to behave the way they've behaved in their lives. Uh, it really, like maybe in the case of uh, of Rebecca, I mean, we know that she went with Rupert and she left everything behind. She left, she cut everybody out. She cut Sassy out. She cut Nora out. Like this was her life. And maybe that was because of everything that happened with her father. Maybe she felt like you have to be devoted to your relationship and nothing else because I know what the flip of that is. And she overcorrected and went too far. Like, this is shared pain. Like this is pain that has affected everyone around them. Uh, and so I do think it adds up that it would be shared in this way on the show. Having it link uh, to a specific date in their lives in this way, I, it's not an accident, right? The writers didn't just throw a dart at a dartboard and hit Friday the 13th for both of them. Like that was a clear choice. And I think it was a clear choice for the reasons that you've said, because these inciting incidents from them brought them to each other. It brings them closer together, literally 
and figuratively to showing that play out this way on the screen and having it happen at the same time as Rebecca is coming clean, Ted is coming clean. I think it speaks to some sort of cosmic connection between the two of them. That is something that transcends like the typical will they or won't they relationship dynamic. It transcends like whether we would, would even want that or need that. These two people are linked in a deep, significant way that they don't even necessarily realize. And I think every chance the show gets to show us, the viewers, that I think will only serve to strengthen whatever happens between the two of them. Uh, and we could talk about that uh, in the context of Rebecca and her relationships, because this is a character, Josh. And I think we, we really should uh, put a lot of this center stage at this point. Ted Lasso season two has done a lot of great things. But one of the things that I think people have rightly uh, pointed some criticism at, and a lot of the criticism has been completely ill-timed, stupid, I would say just stupid and unfair. But I think it's exceptionally fair to say, Rebecca, the character, this is a character who, for better or worse, in the context of the show, most of what has happened with her has been about her romantic relationships. Yeah, basically all season long. All season Um, long, and a lot of what happened in season one. Uh, And so putting that, if that's what you've got with Rebecca, I think it's exceptionally important that we mark this Ted relationship with Rebecca as something separate and apart from that. Like we talked earlier in this season do we, do we do we need it to happen? Do we not need it to happen? I don't even care about that. What I care about is how deeply these two are bonded and why it I really hope it doesn't end up that they they, they get together. But it's important that this relationship exists in a world that isn't that. I think it's important for both characters, but especially Rebecca. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like I mean, I, I hate even having the conversation because I think like there is still a world in which this happens someday. Uh, yeah, of you course. Know, of course. You know, like I think, like, uh, like it, you could see it. It's muddy, right? Because, like, not only are we having like the Rebecca and Sam relationship and where that goes from here, who the heck knows? Um, but we also have Ted and Sassy now are definitely becoming something of a thing. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a repeat. They've they've gone back and uh, now they've revisited it. So that's a thing. Yeah, that's fine. Look, if that means more sassy on the show, I'm happy. No one uh, is going to complain about that. I'm not complaining maybe about Rupert. Uh, if it means more sassy and if it means more Nora on the show, then like, yeah, I'm shipping this until the cows come home. Um, and they're overdue. Like they've been, they, they stayed out way long. I, and I don't mean to interrupt, but let me just say, speaking of the cows coming home, I think we have to couch all of where we could go with Ted and Rebecca and who, whether we should care about. By saying, I feel like the ultimate end for Ted Lasso, the character, is the cow coming home. Like, he's got to go back to Henry. He's got to go back to the States. Like, we heard his pain about the fact that he was mad at his father for working all the time and being away uh, and taking that as a rejection, a reflection of a rejection of him or something. That caused anger for Ted before his father ever did what he did. Uh, And look at what Ted is doing to Henry. He's away. Like, he's not present. So... I feel like the end for the character Ted Lasso, the natural end that makes sense and is going to bring the most like warm heartedness is Ted goes back to America. I don't see Rebecca going with him. So why bother going there with these characters? They need to just be supportive of each other and love each other as friends and be that. I don't think we need to go any further if Ted's going to go back to the U.S. anyway. I totally agree. And I really hope they don't go there. I see the path and I hope they don't walk down it. Um, I think that the story is so much stronger with the two of them as friends. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm concerned because I do think that like, to your point about Rebecca, um, and now we're getting into it with Keely too. It's just oh, like, yeah. it, it's so much about like, 
uh all of like the 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 main women characters on the show are just like totally defined by the relationships that they have with the male characters on the show like this this reintroduction if, if we want yeah i mean it's a reintroduction uh and like a confirmation that this is what's been happening every time jamie's at kile uh you know like he has professed his love for her and then there's things that seem to be like a little rocky between her and Roy and she seems really taken aback by Jamie's vulnerability but then also by Roy. So like we're doing this and like this is the most interesting story you have about Keely? What are you talking yeah. about? Um, like this stuff really bothers me and I am uh, I am I'm like concerned that like the show is not going to be able to write Rebecca as a character without like romantically tying her to Ted at some point. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm I nervous about that. I know I'm what you mean. And that. I think the nerves are, are, are very well founded for the reasons that you said. They're like in rooted the in strength. reality. Her yes. entire storyline yeah. this season yeah. has been about, I'm looking for love. And you're totally right that last season, her entire storyline is about, I'm looking for revenge against the person who I loved. Yeah. Um, and like, that worked as like the catalyst for the show, but was there not like a different direction to go in, in season two, um, you know, or, or at least like add some stuff too, like, so that it's not just entirely about that. I will say some of this, and I think it's both for Rebecca and Keely. I mean, it obviously it all is a clear choice by the people that are writing the show, but I think some of it is a clear choice that they made not to focus on the nitty gritty kind of maybe boring a little bit like obtuse or like just, uh, out there, business aspects of running a club in the championship, as I've talked about on the podcast throughout. Like, we have not seen the aspects of what happens to clubs when they're relegated financially. We have not seen the hits. We have not seen uh, the, the parachute payments or talked about like how the, the English football pyramid or the football association is like set up to try to help those clubs. But what happens to those clubs when it, when it goes down? Like, we've not seen any of that, but it had in, in the small ways that we have, right? Where it comes to like banter as a sponsor or where it comes to like uh, Dubai Air as a sponsor or Rebecca being the OG boss ass bitch. That is not Rebecca uh, doing anything romantically. It's Rebecca standing up to the patriarchy or to the good old boys club that run all this shit, putting her fist in the air and saying, no way, I'm standing up. And she's not doing it because she loves Sam in that moment. She's not doing it because she loves Ted. She's not even doing it because she hates Rupert, really. like She's doing it because she's a BAB. And that's a story about Rebecca being an executive, like yeah. being the person in charge, running shit and saying, I don't care about the consequences of this. Principles are correct. Like it has nothing to do with relationships. So that's an example of something that's in here that they did that doesn't have to do with that. Great. Like had we really delved into the business aspects of it all, we could have had a lot more story for Keeley. But Keeley's constantly popping up talking about this sponsorship opportunity or this Nespresso machine or this particular thing or that or the other. And she does that, but it's like things that she has participated in things that she has brought in things that she has done, but we don't, we as an audience don't get invited into seeing the work, right? It's done as a, as a punchline. It's done as to have beard and, and Roy growl at her uh, when she's asking for somebody it's done to have her kind of put down Nate and say coffees for closers only Nate. Like we, we all, we, you know, it's done for, for those reasons, it's not done to show uh, her competency uh, or her being uh, her excelling at her job. Like we know she's good at her job, and we have seen some elements of that, but we just have not really seen uh, the 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 real connection to the story. But one thing I will say: this is a show about relationships, like romantic, platonic, whatever they are. 
that's what Ted, it's a workplace comedy. Soccer's the milieu, but it is about relationships, like all these shows are. Like that's what this show is about. Uh, and so, of course, romantic relationships are going to be part of it. And of course, uh, non-romantic relationships are going to be part of it. The Diamond Dogs or whoever are usually meeting about relationships, but the 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 connections of the team, the bonded nature of the team, the relationships. That's all of what's here. And I definitely think they could have done and they can do a much better job with Keely and Rebecca because Keely and Rebecca's relationship is fantastic. And it isn't always about men, but it is often about men. And I think that's the part where it's like, if there were more business storylines, then it could be more about business and it could be more about excelling in that realm and less maybe about just... uh comparing notes about how men are uh and keely's constantly pushing rebecca sexually and about relationships like as great as their relationship is like that is the the number one aspect of it and that's the part that i think is a little bit like well i know it's a show about relationships i know these two female characters have a fantastic relationship but at the end of the day what are they talking about uh and i definitely think that's something that the show could be focusing more on some of these other things but it's a show about relationships. So I don't know ultimately uh, how much further we could get without changing the show completely. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I hate the Keely, Jamie, Roy storyline. Yeah, I do too. I, do I really too. don't like it. It's making me uncomfortable and anxious in a way that I don't want to be uncomfortable and anxious. And I also think we've been here. Why are we doing this again? I don't know. I, I I will say it makes sense for Jamie, as sad as it may be. Like, I do understand why a guy who is sort of on this recovery path and really growing as a person and the, the reasons he said, like, it reminds me of all the things that you thought I could be. Um, that I'm becoming them. Like and the thing I, I appreciated the most when he's like, "This is such a shitty thing to do." Yes, it's like, yeah. thank you. Yes, because yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and Andrew Lincoln never had that on a sign in Love Actually, but it's the same shit, right? Yeah, like, he should have written in one of those post boards. Like, <laughs> this is such I want to start this off by saying this is an extremely shitty thing to do. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> at that, least acknowledge it. <laughs> at least acknowledge. It. At least acknowledge it. And so that is growth for Jamie. And I understand. I mean, it's it's. 
He's he's coming from a, a place of vulnerability, which we know is a big trigger for Keeley, uh, and it is something that Keeley always finds very uh, powerful for Roy uh, and in others. Um, that vulnerability is really freaking her out right now. Um, Jamie doesn't have any cats. She likes that. Uh, this is definitely something that uh, that feels connected um, to their relationship. It, it feels correct for Jamie Tart to be feeling this way. I don't hate it on that level because I understand it on that level. The level that I hate it on is the level where uh, Sexy Christmas had to be postponed, and we saw that as some kind of building block or you know a stumbling block, I should say, for Keely and Roy or all these little things. These I don't even want to call them micro aggressions but like the micro um just the way that uh, there's micro conflict between the two of them that has sort of felt manufactured throughout and it's like over in one episode uh and it's like sorry i was a dick keely like and that's where we're at now all of a sudden all that stuff feels like it's stacked up on top of this and it feels yeah. like oh no they didn't actually resolve it those were all things that sat with keely and so then when roy was being awkward about death because he doesn't like it because he was sad about when his grandpa died and he still hasn't really processed that his relationship with the afterlife like now all of a sudden i'm supposed to feel like that is a a, a barrier for roy and keely and that they could break up because of all these things that felt like they were resolved i don't like that and i just Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that, but I ju- it just feels like, well, what else are they doing? Like, they don't have any other storylines for these people. Like, this is what they've been doing with them. So, Jamie at least has his dad to deal with, but Keely and Roy only have Keely and Roy, and that's really kind of it. So, I don't know. I I, I don't feel good about it either. Don't feel yeah. good about it either. Nervous about where it's going. I'll, I'll also say that, like, um, I, I think, like, there's certainly, like, directions where, like, and the show has, like, has like zigged where I thought it was going to zag so many times, so many times Then I'm just like, I'm, I'm still just open for the ride. And like, I won't like make like a final, like, this is how I totally feel about it ruling until season two, at least is over. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll say that like what you just pointed out, like, this is why, like, I, I'm like team Sudeikis. Like you've got three seasons of story in mind, call it, you know, like that sounds right to me. Um, like if we're already like, you know, recircling the drain to a certain degree on some of these storylines um like then like maybe there's like reason for that because there is like a tight arc in mind as it like specifically pertains to like these people and their relationships with each other and that could be great like that could work out in like a really really nicely written um emotionally powerful way um but if like we're uh, if like the other thing is that like ted lasso will go on forever and here we are in season two already getting back into the Roy and Jamie and Keely love triangle. Like, yikes. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yep. I think like that, like that story energy, uh, like just like the, like, uh, like got to pull over and fuel back up, you know, gas stations just on the left. It, do- it, it really does make sense for me for Jamie though. Like it, it does. does. Ke- and the, I, and I hear that too, for the sure. Keely and Roy stuff does not feel like it has landed for the reasons that I said, but the Jamie stuff, it makes sense as part of what he's going through. Um, but maybe, like you said, hopefully the zig and the zag and, you know, all of that, uh, hopefully that means that Keely and Roy, I mean, I feel like my energy in that moment was like, oh shit, Roy is going to propose at this fucking funeral. Like, yeah. why is this going to happen? Like, this is, this is a lot, but Roy uh, Kent, like, is a sick person though. Uh, <laughs> like, Roy Kent is a psycho. Uh, yeah, eating that apple like ways, a yeah. psycho. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> read the room, guy. Like, you can feel how you want to feel about death, but clearly Keely's not picking up on what you're putting down. You got that signal boosted up the wazoo. You had all four bars on your 5G blaring 
ring when you were back at the house and she made it clear she did not like what you were talking about as it pertains to death and funerals. And then you show up at the funeral with, what was that, a red delicious apple? Yeah. So let's put a pin in that, you sick person. Yeah, you stop uh, by Delicious uh, Orchards on the way. all the choices in the world and that's where you're going. Get that scoop and that's straight off the craft services table from the Ted Lasso production. Uh, and then you show up eating on that and saying it was the fruit of a dead tree that you're yeah. eating somebody to death taste like you sicko yeah uh so yeah roy kent i love you man but that was some messed up stuff it was a little gallows humor a, a little, little gallows a little too gallows and like uh, honestly on you know on one level like everything else that went down at that funeral uh with talking about all the various uh and sundry relationships or all the the vicar telling people to keep their voices down whatever That's it is funny. like yeah, yeah like th- it wasn't exactly the most uh demure reserved quiet uh like deferential a uh, celebration if you will it was not a uh you know a stiff upper lip moment like everybody was getting into the sacramental uh and having a good time so roy making some gallows humor jokes didn't necessarily not fit with the way that everyone else was behaving in the moment, but uh, it certainly was not reading the room in Reed Keeley. And, you know, she left that scene saying, like, I'm upset. She left the, the scene at the house. That's saying, what I'm, I'm upset. And then Roy said, well, I'm, now I'm sad. And then this is how he responded to it. That's him trying to laugh away the sadness. That's him joking through the pain. Uh, and, you know, I don't know where Keeley's at. Like, clearly, Jamie's vulnerability and him throwing her uh, all that at her feet and then her basically turning around and having Roy do a similar thing, but different. Uh, it's rough, man. Like that is so rough. That is so rough to have that have happened the way it did. Uh, but obviously setting up the finale, hopefully it's just, you know, Roy and Keely get engaged or Roy and Keely are on good terms and nothing happens. But, uh, I don't know. It, it also didn't feel like a, a piece with where we left Roy and Jamie with the big hug after James Tart. Uh, did what he did, uh, before Beard went on his odyssey. Um, it just, it, it felt like there was maybe not a lot of, uh, build or carry over from that. Jamie didn't really address that except to say he was sorry about doing it. But, uh, it's definitely a thing. Uh, it's definitely a thing that we're going to have to deal with for the next two episodes at least, Josh. Yeah. We'll watch it. Um, uh, so Rebecca and Sam are no longer together. We like see them as a couple in this episode, potentially for the last time. Who knows? Uh, it is like the look at how happy they are. And now they are not together by the end of it. Uh, he's too wonderful. He only gets more wonderful was a, uh, a, a cute line. Um, what do you think about the fact that this relationship just like flash in the pan is, is done? Um, and what do you think this is saying about the show moving forward? Is this Rebecca being like, yeah, I can't be like attached to all this stuff anymore? No, I mean, it was Rebecca saying like, you're too wonderful, which is like the worst reason to not want to do this relationship. Like, I understand it's a, it's a good, vulnerable character reason. Like it makes sense on some level, uh, on the level where Rebecca gives the Amy Mann speech at the beginning of this season to John Wings Knight. And basically says, like, I deserve exposing myself to someone and not in a uh, literal way, uh, in an emotional way, exposing myself to someone uh, knowing that I could get hurt, um, but deserving someone wonderful. Like, you can't you can't think about where this ends without thinking about where this season began for Rebecca, which is another way of us saying, like, yes, this whole season has been about her relationships. So but. It, I think it is inextricably linked to her epiphany there in that moment. Um, this feels like a different epiphany. Her epiphany is that 
she's too scared uh, of that pain and she needs to figure out why uh, and she needs to process why that uh, the Sam stuff is making her jittery because it feels too good. Um, and maybe it's not too good. Maybe it's just that it is good, uh, but it feels too good because, you know, when you're in a desert, uh, an oasis looks like, you know, all the water you'll ever need. Um, so maybe it's just that she was in, in so need of being treated well that when she got treated well, she looked past a lot of the other things about this relationship um, that were that they were that were being smokescreened ultimately by how wonderful Sam is, and some of that stuff I think would have made sense to talk about here. Um, the stuff that we talked about uh, in the past when it's come up, but we have not really leaned in on the level of discomfort or the level of grossness or the level of inappropriateness. Uh, the power dynamics between Rebecca and Sam. Yeah, she's really at the top put on of the center club. stage. He's yep. an employee. Yep, yep, yep. And you know, if the if the if and, and I mean, if if the roles were reversed and Sam Obasanya was the director of AFC Richmond or the owner, and it, AFC Richmond were a ladies' club, uh, and this is what was happening. This is not a positive thing. This is a disgusting thing. This is a gross thing. So why is it not that uh, the power is the power and the power dynamics? I mean, it normalizes them, right? And it normalizes them in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is good. Like, it's okay if both people are into it. Like, it's still not okay. And Rebecca didn't talk about any of that. I, I still like to believe that the wonderfulness of Sam was covering up the fact that she should have not ignored all of those caution signs, that she not, should not have blown through uh, the stoplights, that they're, the fact that she was desperate for a wonderful, kind human connection with someone, and she formed that with Sam on banter, was enough for her to let her guard down and say, um, this is all I should pursue, when in reality, there's so many reasons not to. That is something Rebecca should ponder. Like That is something like, why did I look past uh, all of these things that were my natural instincts, because in the moment when they match, her natural instinct is like, absolutely not. This is right. wrong. Yes. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been, what's the word? I've been like turning you out, essentially. I've been oh, grooming yeah. you. I've been grooming you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not turning you out. That's a different yeah. thing. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that was her natural instinct. And she blew past that because they do have a natural good connection. So it makes sense to me that when she's given a time to step back and really think about the seriousness of life, she might think like, I, I need to think about why my pursuit of something wonderful uh, is what led me down to this path that ended in this closet. Like, I need to think about why that is the case. And is it because I'm worried about getting hurt? Is it because I'm, those are all aspects of this, but there's a lot here that I haven't processed. So I need to take a step back and process it. In my world, Josh, when she does that, this cannot continue, even though I like these characters so much and I feel so bad for Sam. And I, I don't have a good solution for him, frankly. Like, this is going to hurt. Uh, it's going to hurt. And, it's going to hurt, but Sam Obasanya is a champion. And yeah. uh, I like. I feel I feel good about his ability to like, uh, like maturely and like emotionally, intelligently handle a breakup and like... Um, you know, have a good life. Like, I feel I like, too. you know, like, I feel like this does not have to like, you know, like a, a beautiful time together doesn't have to like, you know, when, when it's over, doesn't have to like define that time. You know what I mean? Like, right. I th like, I think like there are, there are ways to like healthily move forward and, yeah. and like integrate the experiences and cherish those memories and still be good. And I feel like Sam strikes me as a character that line, I'd only get more wonderful. Uh, it like really speaks to that vibe to me of yep. like, 
he he's going to be okay. I'm like, going to be good no matter what, and I'm only going. I'm actually only going to get better. Uh, yeah. So you know, I and I, I, hope, that, I hope I hope it's a little bit bravado because we see Rebecca's mom say, you know, I saw him walking out of the closet looking pretty upset. Yeah, he's um, going to be bummed. He's going to be bummed, and I, I I know it's a sitcom at the end of the day, even though it's turning into a one hour show uh, with these forty two minute episodes. But uh, I think this one was even longer. But um. You know, in the sitcom world, uh, the way that Sam gets better is he gets another relationship. And I don't need that. Don't want it. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, we're probably guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it with regard to Miss Bowen. Like I want to see uh, Phoebe's teacher on the show more. And so well, you know, because that's a very easy answer for because that. Because of the way the show does this shit. Absolutely. That's what first pops into my mind. Right. And so it's like, I don't feel like I want to need that for Sam, but I also feel like the show is, you know, the kind of the show could deliver that. So it's like, well, I'm immediately like looking around and saying, what's next? Because that's what I worry we're going to end up with for either of these characters. And I don't think we need to do that, but this is a show where saying that would probably lead you to the answer. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay with all those aspects of it. I'm glad it's gone. I'll tell you what my biggest fear is. My biggest fear isn't that, um, it, it will, it will, they'll get back together. My biggest fear isn't that, um, that Sam will end up in a bad place. My biggest fear is that the reason that it happened was for narrative purposes and that the narrative purposes are that it will be exposed in the tabloids, that it will cause them both drama that they don't want or need, that it will bring a hex onto AFC Richmond. My, here, my belief is this. My belief is that based on where the record is right now, uh, they're in great, uh, they're in great stead to get, uh, promoted. Um, they may not, uh, with their, the points total they could end with the end of the season, get automatically promoted back up to the championship or to the Premier League. I'm sorry. Um, the, the points total they have right now is 82 points after 44 matches. They have two matches remaining. That means they can get a total of six points. That would take them to 88. 88 would be on the low end of the automatic qualifiers, but it would certainly be in line with uh, enough points to automatically qualify for promotion. But more likely with two episodes left, as we've been tracking, where their points totals are going to send them is into the playoffs, where the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place teams in the championship uh, will uh, participate in the playoff, the winner of which will get promoted as the third team uh, to go up. So uh, they're in a good stead to be promoted for that. My belief, uh, the way that season one ends, of course, is we have the high high of them scoring the goal that's going to save their season. Then the rugs ripped out from under them by them getting relegated. And so that's where we're ending uh, season two. I believe season or season two, that's where we begin season two. I believe season two is probably going to end with them getting promoted. And then the rug getting pulled out from under them with all of their chickens coming home to roost vis-a-vis the drama with Nate, uh, vis-a-vis Sam and Rebecca. All of this stuff is the stuff that's going to be the dark end of the season. Like, even though we can take the club's football fortunes and put them in a good spot, the way to take the air out of that uh, success is this failure. And I worry that the Rebecca and Sam stuff happened uh, backwards, that it was something that they wanted to add to the drama of the end of the season. And so this is why it happened. Um, that's my biggest concern is that, is that it will come out in that way, in a negative way. Uh, yeah. and, and that's where it will get exposed. I mean, obviously the show, as you said, they zig when we think they're going to zag. So I don't, 
I'm not saying that I believe this will happen. That's my greatest concern, though. My great concern is that that's where this is headed. Um, yeah. They will win, but the way that you end the season on a mixed note, which Ted Lasso has proved that they can do, is you win with co- what cost. You win with consequences, and the consequences and cost will probably be something involving Nate and Nate exposing all this stuff. So far, the Sam and Rebecca stuff is quiet, but it feels like it's going to get out. I just don't know how. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about like the the tabloid uh, angles. And Rupert um, has so many connections at those tabloids. You know, like if Rupert has some grand plan in yeah, play. Yeah, I was going to say, is he planning some sort of like uh, Benjamin Linus masterstroke type? I always oh, have yeah, a plan exactly. thing. Yes, you know, exactly. like, you know, is there something going on there? Get out your um, gas masks, everybody. Uh I I had this uh like I as you were talking I had like uh like I was struck by a vision of the future of a possible future. Oh, I like this. Tell me more, it, Desmond. Is there like a world where uh like Rebecca has to step down but Rupert's already gone and uh could like the next like evolution of Ted Lasso going into season 3 be uh like Ted owning the club or something like that, like Rebecca passing it, like can, does she pass her shares on to somebody else? Uh, like, do we see like a shut, like a reshuffling of the deck in that way of like, uh, you know, fish out of water, like now really like, you know, uh, big fish, bigger pond, uh, type deal. I don't know. Something like that. It's just sort of like the, like the images that flashed AFC, uh, Hig- Higgins. AFC yeah, I mean, Higgins. look, yes, that's what I really want. Uh, like <laughs> this whole sh- for this whole show to end with Higgins in the power seat is probably Earl, where it uh, ought to be. He should be on the Iron Throne. Earl Grey is replaced by Cindy Clawford. Uh huh. Earl yeah. Greyhound. Sorry, yes. not Earl Grey. That's a yes. different thing. That's a that's a hot paper bag that's water. The gar- that's the garbage water. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's that pigeon Jean-Luc, sweat. That Jean Luc loves so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. There's don't a there is there is a world where Rebecca does feel like maybe she steps aside for the good of the team. I mean. There are two episodes left. That's, you know, that's plenty of real estate for a lot of this stuff to happen. Um, it's been said it's the Empire Strikes Back season. Uh, the monologue from Ted in the Rom communism, uh, statement, uh, in earlier in this season in, in episode five again was him basically saying like the dark forest is in the middle, but everything will work out in the end. I promise you that. Like it does feel like the show has told us like, yeah, it's gonna, there's gonna be some darkness here. But it will be fine. And we've gone through some of the darkness, but I think it's it just there's too much with Nate. I mean, Nate is literally Nate the Gray now, uh, both in suit and in hair. Um, so it it just feels like we're we're going to get like a different version of the guy. I will say my interpretation of the scene with Nate and Rupert, not to move on from the uh Rebecca and Sam of it all. Uh, we can we can definitely reconnect I it. I don't know how much there it. is to go. Maya, yeah. uh, you know, if you want to say anything. Feel free. But my my interpretation of that was if you look at the way Nick Muhammad plays the scene, um, he is surprised that Rupert is talking to him at all. Yeah. Uh, and he he walks away looking like a man who just got complimented by Rupert Mannion. Like that is uh, he's like impressed with himself. So that wasn't uh, I don't think that I think that was probably the first real interaction between the two of them. But it does feel like Rupert uh, is probably recognizing that uh, Nate can be plucked uh, or and whether that's plucked and used uh, or whether that's plucked and used for his football mind or whether it's plucked and used for uh, a weapon against the team uh, just indirectly. I don't know, but it felt like their first meeting and it felt like uh, Rupert was really just paying him a compliment and saying like that, you know, that that FA Cup match. I know that was you. That was brilliant, mate. You're the only football brain around this team. 
Um, that that could be what he said, and that was it. But that's the beginning of something, not the end of it. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I think that is for sure uh, correct. I think it, as far as Rebecca goes, like the big thing to discuss that we have not yet discussed is the Rick roll. <laughs> yeah, like Ted Lasso just fully Rick rolling everyone uh, repeatedly. And Rick Astley, like uh, just being a huge part of Ted Lasso, apparently a massive Ted Lasso fan. Like he tweeted what is, I just think, the most uh, the most wholesome, cute, kind, nice video of how sweetly impressed he was by the, the, that song he said you know that's what he refers to it as that song like that's just another song for rick astley or he or how, how he would like us to believe but the fact is that he was so impressed by the fact that that was there and he felt so moved by it and hannah waddingham uh dm'd him afterwards lord knows what went down in those dms but uh but uh, Rick Astley, a it's big amazing. fan of the fact that the Never Gonna Give You Up was on there. Uh, and obviously making jokes about the fact that people have long thought that Rick Astley was black, the people that aren't familiar with the video. Um, some, for some people, this was a wake-up call that Rick Astley himself uh, is British. Like, that was yeah. a thing that people don't realize. So uh, I just think a, a really, uh, yet again, the show taking music and putting it center stage. But how do you feel, Josh, about the singing of it in the church. I know in the moment that felt like maybe a little gilding the lily to you with regard to having Hannah Waddingham singing yet again on the show. I'm realizing that I've like, did I wake up on the wrong side of the bed? I liked this episode of Ted Lasso. Is it my favorite episode of Ted Lasso? No, definitely not. But I really enjoyed a lot of it. But here I am just being like, I don't like this. I don't like that either. That thing over there didn't like that. Uh, and I'm just, I am going to, I'll just be the grouch today. Like, it, it felt like it was in here because they know Hannah Waddingham can sing and they want to give Hannah Waddingham more like singing scenes. And like, it was the same thing for Christmas, but it's Christmas and it's low stakes and that's fine. But like this like big emotional moment that just turns into the Rick roll and then everybody in the church singing the Rick roll. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I must just be like this, like in like this monster cynic mode. I don't know, Antonio, but it didn't do it for me. I recognize and want to give voice to the fact that I am in, uh, a, like, of a, a smallest sliver percentage-wise of people who probably feel that way. Uh, but I didn't love it. I didn't love it. It just made me feel grumpy, grouchy. I was like, ah, I, you're just doing this because she could sing so well. This is the only reason why this is in the episode. I know <laughs> that you, you, you have tried to talk me down, and I think that you have good perspective on it. It's going to happen uh, again. You just have to steal yourself for the fact that Hannah Waddingham's going to sing probably three more times in yeah, this series. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And Maybe I just four. got I gotta get right with that. That's on me. Like, <laughs> I have to get good. I totally understand this is I mean, a How many times did Mouse like, Rat play on Parks and Rec? You yes, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, they you weren't know, that good. You know? 100%. I have to, uh, but like, it's a crowd pleaser. I just have to, I just have to get good. I got to get good. I'm working on it, folks. I'm working on it. Well, and I, I, I thought the, um, I just thought it was Ted Lasso being Ted Lasso, the show, in terms of like finding a way to take something that is a joke uh, and making it have emotional resonance, but then also making it funny again uh, and striking all those emo emotive notes at the same time. Uh, Hannah Waddingham, so great at her performance, like the way that the song choked her up. Uh, I think that it it was an act of love for her to sing it in some respects, an act of love for her mother. Um, yes, that was know. the perspective you offered me that I thought was very, very good. Right. And that that's the part where it's like, okay, this this is a, an awkward episode for a lot of reasons for that their relationship. But um, her saying, like, I hated you for that, and I hate you for that. And her mom saying, well, I'll take hate over 
indifference all day long. And her mom saying that song just makes her happy. And, you know, why shouldn't you try to be happy every day? It's a perspective, maybe not the most uh, helpful perspective for some, um, but it is a perspective. And then so when she's so desperate and in that moment and searching for anything to say positive and has really nothing to say positive, she she pivots back to mom. And there's power in that for me, for sure. Um, and that is ultimately, even though at the end of the day, um, a huge part of their difficulty in their relationship is because of a man, um, that is ultimately, I think, the power of their their relationship. And the way the episode ends with the two of them in bed and the song coming back, I thought really good. Like, I really liked this episode on that level, on the level of showing Rebecca and her mother's relationship and trying to, to repair some there. Um, I don't know what Ted's relationship with his mom is like. I don't know um, how they process that. We don't know much there. Um, but what we do know is that that is a, a major part of why Ted was so mad at his dad. Uh, Ted yeah. is always quick to point out it wasn't just Ted who was affected by this. It was Ted's mom, too. It was very hard on me and my mom, he said. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And my mom. And my mom. And the it's, mom was like a, like an emphasis. Like It was very yep. hard on me yep. and my mom. And my mom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he points this out, and he points this out. He did that to his family. He did that to my me and my mom. Like It isn't just in this episode where he does that. So that relationship is there. We don't know... Um, it seems like Ted has taken a lot of the anger at the situation out on himself um, for basically saying, like, I should have told him more that I thought he was a good dad. I should have showed him I loved him more. And maybe if I did, he wouldn't have done what he did. Yeah, it's hard. Um, that's what Ted's been carrying with him. And I understand that. Like, and I, you know, it is horrible. Um, but it seems like uh, Rebecca's emotion about the the great divide or the great uh, inciting incident um, with her mom, and it, it, she's not taking it all on herself out on herself. She's taking it out on others around her mainly, uh, and it has in fact affected her relationships with other people for for certain. Um, but the the more the most central and important one is her relationship with her mother. So it felt very restorative and reparative to have her sing the song the way that she sang it and the reason that she did in that moment. Um, it also, not for nothing, uh, when we talk about the intercutting and interconnectedness of it all, that's when Ted shows up when she needs it most. Uh, and Ted is there to pick her up when she can't even say, say goodbye, right? Uh, because it's too emotional for her in that moment. It is Ted that picks her up. So I think they get a lot of juice out of it, even though I agree with you. It's totally manufactured to put her in that realm where she's the one singing again. Um, I think they get a lot of juice out of it with her, uh, with Two relationships that don't have a lot to do with her romantic connections, uh, her relationship with Ted and her relationship with her mom, uh, are both uh, really served by how that was done. Uh, I thought, I thought, I thought it really worked for me in that way. But I definitely understand you're you're a person. I think Josh. I knew who, that Ted was going to start singing, and then I knew the whole everyone. <laughs> and I was like, I, and yeah, honestly, you knew it was coming. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, this and is a like, safe space. No one's listening. Uh, let me just. I'm going to put my cards. Several fully. thousand people are listening. I'll put least. my cards fully on the table for the thousand people listening. More uh, than a thousand, for sure. For, for the ahead. few thousand people listening. More than a few uh, thousand. Let's just let's, go ahead. For the million people. Uh, all right, all right. I uh, I knew it was happening, and the second Ted started singing, I just kept hitting. Skip forward ten seconds. <laughs> Skip forward ten seconds, and like, okay, I got it. They're singing. They're singing. Yeah, yep. And yep. until it was safe, 
so that was my experience of it. I just like I couldn't do it. I could, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. It's a me thing. Well, it's, you're, it's on you, me. It's on me. You are a person who uh, who I think, and this is like I I don't think I had heard the term navel gazing until I heard it from you. I would have been a little uh, more midwestern and a little less refined and say that the show's up its own ass. Um, yeah. But you call it navel gazing. And I know that that's a term that's out there in the world uh, for this sort of thing. I don't think you like it when shows like are, are smelling their own farts, if you will, like yeah. are like uh, enjoying their product and enjoying the things that they've put on display. I don't know. I think that you should take pride in your work for sure. Right. And like, I think that like your show can express that in a big, big way. But I do think that I am noticing this pattern with myself of like, I think like, there's like a line between like um like call back and then like uh like over the line fan service you know yeah um and like i don't know that i always have a good pull like finger up my fingers the, on the, the pulse chorus of, it. of trent crim the independent at the beginning of this right. season which they only did yes. the one time yes. felt very much like that yes 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 yeah. correct yeah. Uh, and I think that stuff is just for whatever reason, like some people, uh, cilantro tastes like soap. Uh, <laughs> you know, like this tastes like soap to me. Can you imagine if you could hit skip 15 uh, when you were eating like a burrito bowl or salsa or something that had cilantro in it that you didn't want? Unwanted cilantro. I like cilantro, so I, I wouldn't want to skip. You part. wouldn't want to do that. No. But for the soapers out there, they yeah. definitely would. Can we call them soapers? I don't know if you want to call them that. Uh, that feels slightly <laughs> offensive, at least. <laughs> Uh, All right, the cilantro tastes like soap crowd. Uh, but look, if you loved it, that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm the Grinch. Uh, I recognize this. I neither loved nor felt cynical about it. I because I am the way I am. Sometimes I I really just started thinking about okay, this works. Like you know, I'm I'm okay with this on a uh, productive level. Like this this is output that serves character, emotion, story. I feel okay about it. I, I like, like it, it a lot more when I get to talk to you about it, Antonio, and I won't engage it again. That's good. That's fine. That's yeah. all you need to worry about. Like That's now, I like do. the scene, but I'll never watch it. Yeah, good. You yeah. don't have to. And I don't. I mean, I I, I got to admit, like the third time I watched this episode, and uh, earlier I re- rewatched some of episode five. Uh, you know, I'm pulling back to it because of the connections from this episode. Uh, I skipped through a lot. I'm just like, uh, you know what? I don't need to see this scene at this point. Like, I'm good. Like, I don't. I don't really need to see this particular moment of this episode. I don't think it added much. It was just there for comedy. Like, it's fine. It is whatever it is. So I don't have a problem with that at all. Like, that's ultimately what this scene was. Like, it was a great performance by Hannah Waddingham. It was a chance for her to sing again. It was a moment for Ted to support her in the moment when she needed it most. And it was a moment of community, which the show is all about, community building moment. So uh, there it was. And that it was just, it was done. Uh, And it was buried like a fruit tree. And we don't have to think about it again. Um, there were some other things though in this episode. Uh, we, we, uh, <laughs> we talked about how much we love Sassy, but how about Sassy's dressing down of Rupert? Marvelous. Incredible. Um, she hates him so much. Like, does she, does she telling, just hate telling, him? Telling this man that I cannot wait for your funeral to yeah, his face. I count uh, the days. Uh, just absolutely wild. And like, what is he doing? Like, why is he even bothering trying to approach her? Like, this is a no-fly zone, brother. Um, I don't know. He's just like, I, I think that when you are um, that awful and that powerful, you just like don't even think about that. I think you think that you can walk into any situation and have total, absolute control over it um, without even like possibly like contemplating that someone may have the temerity to read you for filth. 
And then when when they do, just walk away from it. Like, okay, yep, you're fine. Like, I'm I'm not going to mess around here anymore. Like, Rupert is a little bit of a tiger in that way, and it's funny that Nate wants to be a tiger because uh, Nate in this episode, uh, the fact that he is, you know, the fact that Rupert is the one who reaches out to Nate, like Nate will be very receptive of the wing of a dragon kind of pitch. You know what I mean? Like, Nate's going to be very receptive and find it warm under there because. He Rupert, in some ways, I think, is the way Nate wants to be. He's famous. He can just pull women from any corner of any room that he walks into. Like, this is Nate's dream. Uh, and even if it's to be cussed out by someone like Sassy, Nate's the kind of guy that will just walk that off. So uh, I think Nate and, and Rupert together do, unfortunately, make some sense. And in this episode, we have the moment where Nate shows up in the suit, Josh. He shows up in the Ted Lasso suit, the suit that Ted bought for him. Because Nate was wearing his dad's suit in the For the Children episode in season one, and it was too big. And Nate's and Ted's like, we're going to make a pit stop and take care of you. Ted buys him this suit. Nate wears the suit. It's his power suit. It's clearly his only suit. Um, but I think it speaks to what a dickhead and uh, how disrespectful Nate can be of other human beings. Because you could rent and or buy a, an appropriate suit. Every single guy on this team who doesn't even know what fucking dress shoes are, Josh, was able to get in a suit and that was appropriate and get in shoes that was appropriate. Only Nate, the asshole, decides to show up in this color. And I think it's purposeful. I think it speaks to what kind of a dickhead he is on the inside. Yes, I understand why. But you don't do this. Like You can go rent a suit and be like everyone else in the club. He's a little bit of a dickhead. Yeah. I mean, I think he's he's definitely like he is buying his own hype in a really big way right now. Yeah. Uh, like he is like, uh, no one is as big a fan of Nate the Great, the Wonder Kid, as Nate the Great, the Wonder Kid right now. Yeah. And like, I think that like, not a kid with that gray hair, Nate. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that like makes him to his core an asshole necessarily. I think that there is a lot of unnurtured stuff there. Sure. Um, that has contributed to him, like once he gets a taste of this, um, wielding it poorly. And I think that he has not done anything so filthy awful yet that he won't that he couldn't like with true like contrition and like actual effort and emotional um you know effort like pull some of that back um do do work to like if not like make that stuff right then at least be better moving forward but he's he's uh being groomed by palpatine right now yeah you know like he's He's about to tell us how much did, he hates sand. Did Rupert whisper now. in his ear, did I ever tell you the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise yeah, or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we are not going to so. map uh, Ted Lasso characters onto prequel characters. I don't think that's happening yet. Again, though, postshowrecaps.com slash patron. Yeah, that will get you there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like a lot of... Uh, a lot of what's going on with Nate. Like I, I do think it'll have a happy ending eventually. I just think it'll, it'll take a while to get there and it will be getting darker before, uh, before it gets any brighter. And I think that like the suit is ultimately like a relatively innocuous thing in my opinion anyway. Um, but I think that it, it speaks to the larger issue of what's going on with this guy. Um, like that, like, just... He's, 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 he's assumed an avatar, you yeah. know, the fact, character. That, the fact that everyone on the club that that we had great jokes about how they didn't even understand that uh, dress shoes were different to uh, sneakers, right? Like that you don't have to line up overnight and get uh, special releases. Uh, Zero hilariously, 
bright red. Uh, Yeezy's like, these guys don't know what's appropriate. Isaac, the great captain, whips them all into line. They all show up fine. They're miserable, even in Danny Rojas's case, showing up in the contrast is very, very sharp. Yep. It's clear. It's clear that Nate Um, could not like what people are willing to go to to like be there for their teammate. You know, yep. and Rebecca yep. uh, is like very, very clear in terms of like the personal discomfort that some of these people allowed themselves versus what Nate allowed for himself. And you can't help Jan Moss out there just stirring the pot. Maybe he is working for the Empire as well because he says, Isn't it infantilizing to have another man pick out your clothes or whatever? Like a grown man pick out your clothes or buy your clothes for you? And Nate's like, Well, no, because most of my clothes my mom buys for me. And then he does that thing where he says something awkward and he walks away from the scene. Because he knows it's awkward. Like, this is his, like, yeah, this is absolutely all of his, uh, <laughs> his, like, Anakin moments. Like, this is, this is what's leading him to, to, to turn. Like, we're seeing it happen in real time, but it is, it is fertile ground, let's say. And I understand that you're saying the ground is unnurtured, and I agree with that, but the unnurturing has made it fertile for dicks to grow and Nate is sure. a dickhead. Yeah. The tree that's growing out of him is producing dead fruit and, I, you know, where it ends, we we speculate, but it's not good. And it's a small thing. But one of the things I think is that when we binge seasons one and two, knowing where Nate's story ends up, wherever it ends up in season two, at the end of it, um, and I do think it's coming before the end of this season, uh, I, I think that uh, I think that we'll go back and look at all these little moments, uh, whether it's Ted giving Nate the whistle that's an indoor whistle that doesn't whistle, or Keely saying coffees for closers only, or you know, whatever it is, uh, all these things are are what has led him to the the time. And look, like it it shows, it shows. Like he explodes. We we've, we've gone over this. Like this is just who who Nate is. That's where we are with Nate, and he can't even be bothered to get on board with the whole team. Like other people are sacrificing a lot to do it, and he won't sacrifice even a little. Uh, and it speaks to where Nate is. You're right. He's in his own head. He loves himself. Even though he hates himself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, a, a lot of that kind of vibe, I think, is born from that. Um, just like beyond Ted Lasso, too. Um, free kicks. What are we missing? What have we not talked about for this episode that feels like uh, like a big miss if we close out without without knocking down? I don't know about big misses, but uh, I, the beard and Jane stuff was a funny through uh, line yeah. that was running here. Just I guess. in the background. Yeah. You didn't like it? Nah, still not my favorite. And like, also, like, why would he like turn it off for the eulogy? You would think that if like Jane is like, uh, like, oh, I love funerals. Oh yeah, I like, want to get off on this for sure. Yeah, she would want to hear. She would want those raw tears. Uh, I like that he turned it off because he has respect for Rebecca. Like yes. Beard, on some level, is like, you know what, Jane, I will hold up your cell phone through the liturgy, through like, I'll show you around the the church. I'll do all this stuff. I might even like there was a passing moment where I thought Beard was going to try to sneak a look inside the casket and have Jane see it uh, because Beard says, I like to I like to see it or like I like to see. That's what he says. It's like, Jesus Christ, like the only people in the world, of course, like this is what they want. Uh, so I, I appreciated that. that. I appreciated more than anything. I appreciated that Beard and Jane wasn't just dropped after last episode, that it was at least present in this episode. Uh, I was I at least appreciated that on some level. We had that beard also gave Rebecca finger guns when the whole team got off the bus, uh, which I thought was very, uh, very funny. Like, just I don't have anything nice to say to you. I'm not going to acknowledge your pain. I'm just going to finger gun you. She's going to do it back and it would work. Uh, that that was a very beard-esque moment to me. Uh, yeah. So that was good. Um, what about Ted's story? We didn't talk about the the real 
details of the therapy. I thought it was a really nice moment um, how Dr. Fieldstone made Ted remember what a good dad his dad was with the Johnny Tremaine story. Um, great performance by Sudeikis uh, in that moment. That was one we didn't pull away from. We didn't have to cut that pain um, because there was a, that was connected to a lot of love and a lot of emotion. Uh, so I really liked the therapy scene just overall. Like it really, it really felt good to me. Um, Ted got triggered, I think, by seeing Henry uh, and maybe to a lesser extent with the picture of Nate there. Uh, but Ted got triggered, I think, in that moment um, because thinking about fathers and and it wasn't even necessarily the funeral that did it. It, it was just thinking about being a good dad uh, and, you know, not lost on me. I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but there's, you know, there's a lot of meta stuff with Sudeikis and Ted Lasso that yeah, for sure. I don't know how meta, but I mean, Sudeikis is away from his kids and they're young kids for making six the show. Yeah. to nine months of the year making the show. He's in the UK and they'll, they'll pop over for a visit or two. But like, I don't know, man, like it's hard for me to think about like Ted, the character having some guilt over Henry without thinking about Jason Sudeikis, the actor having some guilt about his kids. And that makes me feel like, should I even be enjoying the show? Like it makes me feel kind of gross on some level. I don't know. Like that, that's really difficult for me to process, but I thought they did a great job of well, getting I think, like, to in, that. In terms of that stuff, like I think like, uh, like there's like, there's, you know, speculate however much like you you need to for like your interpretation but like there's for me certainly like there's like a certain level of like uh like i'm just not personally good to go there like in a in like a huge way but beyond that i think like if this is like look art is designed to be an exorcism in a lot of ways right like as the artist as Get the, something out as the creator you are you're like trying to like um something is living inside of you whether it's a symbiotic relationship or a parasitic one there is something happening <laughs> something that, malignant is happening there is something growing within you that you could tell people about but they'll never really know you know yeah. like uh you can tell them about what this thing is but they just they and they may get it to a certain extent but they'll never see it the way that you see it. They'll never, you know, breathe with it the way that it breathes. It's like with you. pain in that way. Yeah, and I think like you know, like the the like the exercise of art is about uh, to some extent um, unburdening yourself, and then like if that comes out in a way that hits people and sinks in with people in the way that it has sunk in with you, even like a sliver of that feeling, the way that you feel it internally. Um, like, I think that that is art working. And I think that that is the creative process. And whether it's like, you see what's happening with Ted Lasso, and you map that onto Jason Sudeikis's life, or you see what's happening with Ted Lasso, and now you're mapping it onto your own. You know, like that is art in motion. Um, so, like, I I'm not uncomfortable with um, what are the what are the parallels between this and and Sudeikis's life necessarily. Insofar as like I'm uh, I'm at peace with it as it functions as a piece of art. Like that is that is the purpose of this journey. I I understand that, and I think that's exceptionally eloquent, and it's a great way to put it. But I I, I want to point out that. Part of why I'm uncomfortable about that, and I guess as long as Jason Sudeikis feels like Jason Sudeikis has control of this situation, then we're in good shape. It's always been Ted Lasso is a three-season arc, and it's up to Jason if we make more. Even everyone from 
Bill Lawrence, Brendan Hunt, like all the creative people involved in the show, all the co-creators. I haven't heard Joe Kelly on it, but I'm sure he's there, have said, it's up to Jason. Like, it's up to Jason. And it makes me feel like where we're at with this is that Jason Sudeikis doesn't know um, if he's done processing this yet. Like, if he's done getting this out there. And I don't know. It's on, on some way, I feel like creating the show itself is creating the the negative energy that he's getting out there and processing in terms of being away from his kids. Like, he doesn't have to be away from his kids. Now, granted, he may be um, contextualizing the energy he feels when he makes anything creative. When he goes away to a film shoot for three months or six months, uh, there's a great song um, by Sturgill Simpson, one of my favorite musical artists. Uh, that's the first song on uh, on his Sailor's Guide to Earth, Sailor's Guide to Life um, album that is very much about this, about uh, Sturgill processing uh, his feelings about leaving his newborn child and going on the road and playing music and coming back. And every time he's come back, the kid's bigger, he's grown, and it's like. Uh, it really breaks his heart. Like, how is he doing this? And it's like, but I have to go out here and play this music. I got to get it out. I got to share this with people. I got to provide for you. And I'm sure that's where Jason Sudeikis is a creative person is feeling, but I don't want him to feel pressured to make more of this show just because it does so much for so many. It, it says a lot to me that we haven't said yet that Ted Lasso is definitely ending after season three, more like, well, that was the plan, but we're not sure if that's what's going to happen. So feels like he's still very much in the middle of all that. And I feel like because he's in the middle of it, I can feel his probably pain and confusion and vulnerability and all these things a little bit more as a result. And that's why it feels a little bit trickier for me in those moments to see it. And the whole enterprise is just emotionally, it, it hits me. I mean, one of the things that I think resonated the most with me, maybe about any piece of creative media that we've done or talked about in a long time, but especially in this one, is where Ted says, like, part of the reason why the stuff that happened with his dad, and, and he wished that he would have told him, Ted says, I'm never going to let anybody get by me without understanding that they might be hurting inside because life is hard. Life is really hard. Yeah. And like, to me, that is like a mantra of compassion and one that is like so specific in terms of understanding compassion and empathy, which are like my guiding principles when I'm at my best. Um, and why they matter so much to me and why I love the David Foster Wallace, this is water, like, which is also very much about that, about choosing a compassionate or empathetic life. Like this is Ted's choice. And so my empathy makes it hard for me to shut down. And, and it, it, when it comes to Jason Sudeikis role in creating the show, like every moment I enjoy Ted Lasso, every moment we spend talking about watching Ted Lasso's pain and how great Jason Sudeikis was at capturing it. I cannot uh, link or not, un I cannot unlink from feeling that Jason Sudeikis is going through some shit right now, man. And like some of that's him wearing the sweatshirt and giving the the speech at the Golden Globes, and some of it's knowing that it's a very painful time in his life with his relationship ending. Like character and uh, actor are uh, life and art are imitating each other repeatedly back and forth. So it just feels a lot more loaded for me. Uh, and this episode really drew that out in a way that. Um, Maybe some of the other ones don't, uh, that Ted, uh, talking about, you know, feeling like his dad was working all the time and his dad feeling some type of way, you know, and his dad doing what he did. It's like, all these things are really wrapped up in Jason Sudeikis. And it's like, yes, I, I completely agree with you. Am about I blanking? Did they, did they say what his, his dad did? On Shot the himself. Show? Ted heard bang. 
No, sorry. I I don't mean it like that. I mean, um, uh, occupationally. Do we know no, anything we don't, about his we work? Don't no. we don't know. Okay. We don't yeah. know. We don't know. He was a soccer coach who moved to England. That's all we know. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we don't know. We don't know. And, you know, not for nothing, we don't know. Uh, he said he was a good dad, but we also don't know the ways in which he wasn't besides what ultimately happened, um, other than he was working with his friends all the time. But as I said, they were at the bar every Sunday all day long uh, from the time he was like a young kid till the time he was 16. Uh, and it sounds like his mom was working. So I don't know what his dad was doing, but um, it doesn't sound like his dad was the healthiest person uh, either, regardless of that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where that's at, but it's, it's, it's hard for me. That, that part is hard for me for sure. Um, and that's the part where it's like, when I think about it, it, it just is, uh, it, it gets me in a different headspace in terms of thinking about why people make things and what they sacrifice to make them for us. And especially in these times where they're going through all the COVID protocols and they're living their lives a very particular way in order to produce these things for us. And it's like, you know, uh, it, I'm reminded, Josh, of the Bo Burnham uh, track from inside that I know you love so much about making some content. Like, it's yes. like, Jason, I don't want Jason Sudeikis to feel like he has to make this for us. I love what you said about art being uh, the exercise, like of creating it and getting this thing out there and sharing your pain or sharing your, you know, your, your power or whatever it is. But I think uh, it's like, you got to get it. Like the only way to get out from under it is to like offload it onto someone else yes, almost, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> offload it onto all of us by making yeah. us care about Ted Lasso yeah. and Ted leaving his family behind and all of that. So, um, but it's, it's an just, invitation too, you know, like I think yeah. it's like, um, I think that there's, I think that there's power and I think that there is healing in like, I'm in pain. This is what I'm going through. Or like, I'm thinking about this and I want you to know I'm thinking about it. Like, I think like there is like a line between oversharing and sharing. Uh, I, I don't feel like the show has overshared in, no. in that regard. No, I, I think the show has definitely not. Um, my concern is like the, the real life realities of the show are, whether the show shares them or not, are not something that I'm like ignorant to. So the show doesn't even need to share them for the show sharing what it does to hit me the way that it does. And, you know, like I said, all power to Jason Sudeikis, like he will, he has been awarded and rewarded for his art, for sharing this in the way that he has. He will continue to be. I firmly believe that. So um, that's a thing. Like, that's a thing. Somebody said, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember where I saw this. So I apologize if, it was somebody that I could credit and have just forgotten. Um, but somebody said, like, is Ted Lasso really just a thing where we all collectively need therapy so bad and we're all going through therapy <laughs> at the same time? Like, yeah. there's some of that happening for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. Everybody needs a Dr. Sharon is my fervent belief. Yeah. Everybody sure. needs a Ted Lasso, too. You know, yes. everybody needs a Ted Lasso. Who believes in you? You know, like, you need yep. to find that uh, yep. because they're out there for sure. No doubt about it. Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like it's a very meaty episode uh, of a meaty show that I think is going to give you a lot to think about. And I think, like, um, you know, having having I think this episode be like one of the ones that gets you thinking a little bit about the external as as well as like the the in universe stuff uh, makes sense to me. Another, um, another way I want to hit really 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 quickly before we we leave that is right in line with that um, that is meta to the point of difficult to take in when you really start to think about it. The last song of the episode, the needle drop that takes our credits out, is uh, I Remember um, by the artist Molly Drake. Uh, Molly Drake may not be as well known to some people as her son, Nick Drake. Uh, Nick Drake, who um, whose work in, has popped up, I think, probably most prominently to most people pop culturally in Wes Anderson films. But 
he has this haunting emotional voice and it's made all the more haunting and emotional by learning that he took his own life. Um, that, that was, uh, that was the end for his pain and getting his art out there and getting his, uh, the exercise of that. Um, you couldn't help but feel the pain in it and understand the emotion in it. That was the power of Nick Drake's work. Um, Molly Drake is his mother. And this song I remember, uh, is just inextricably linked in my mind to Nick Drake and knowing that the, the artist gives of themselves, um, sometimes to a point where they can't give anymore. And so it, it's in a meta way, uh, very connected to this discussion. The, the fact that the end song of this episode is I remember by Molly Drake. It, you just cannot unlink that from what you know about Nick Drake and what you know about his work and what you know about Molly Drake, who herself was obviously, a poet, a musician, all the things that she did and created in her life. Um, those two things are are just so linked and I think not in a maybe not in an accidental way to what what went on in this story. Uh so just uh just really good. Uh and then I guess to take it away from a non to take the darkness out of this a moment, we we probably the most clever joke in the whole episode, maybe in the whole season was when Rebecca is talking to Sam about uh, why he's so wonderful and all the ways that he's helped her. And by the way, I've been waiting to do this all day. When he pulls her into a closet, he doesn't kiss her. He hugs her. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. significant and so important. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. so valuable. So, he only so, gets more wonderful such that a character Sam note. of Asanya. Yes, but, and then this is the joke, uh, I hate big butts and I cannot lie. So funny. So hilarious yes. that, that he said that. Like, just a really... Very clever, hilarious joke. Uh, so I did not want to let the podcast end. I also about. Uh, do want to just like take a minute to like shout out, like in terms of like the way that these characters support each other on the show and like the way that this show always tries. I feel like more often than not, anyway, leaning into like the ultimate landing points are like people supporting people. Uh, is that like rather than because like a, a lesser show does the arc where like. Nora discovers that Rebecca is sleeping with yes. her childhood crush yes. and she's bitter about it and jealous. And instead, Nora's just like, boss has been. Yes. Uh, it was I, I really com- great. I completely agree with you. And I think very valid for people to be concerned that that would happen. Uh, but this is Nora is Sassy's daughter, Josh. Like, even though she can't climb up the beanstalk and get into the second story window as easily as her mom. So funny. She is Sassy's daughter. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like, she is. She is Sassy's daughter. That's all I can really say about that. Yep, hundred percent. All right. One so final we- thing I want to note: uh, just me when Beard was the wingman. When Sassy walks over to Ted uh, at the wake, um, and Beard walks away with this older guy and says, "Me and Bill were just going to go over here to talk about 1966." Beard did not just pick a random year. 1966, the year that England won the World Cup uh, and hosted the World Cup. The last time I think they made. Are they won a final of any uh, international championship since 1966? Uh, this summer, they lost to my beloved Italian national team. But the 1966 World Cup lives on in England lore. Uh, and that is for sure what Beard wanted to talk about uh, with that guy. Um, was the... the um, Do you think the, under the guise that he was a professor from Oxford still? I, I did not hear the <laughs> accent, the pitch-perfect Irish accent. Yeah. There would, you know, then where would I be? You know, sad and alone. I didn't hear the accent, so... Uh, no, not under that guy's. Yeah. But, uh, other than uh, that, yes. I miss 1966 that World Cup. Miss I miss that, that guy's too. I hope we meet the professor again. Yeah, me as well. Um, can you believe there's two episodes left in season two? Uh, I can. I can on some level. Uh, yeah. I can believe it. But on the other hand... 
two episodes left of the podcast. We'll do more, hopefully beyond oh, the two. Oh, yeah, but, for uh, sure. No, we're going to do the next two. We will at least do a wrap-up show yeah. uh, as uh, as far as what's next for the podcast. Um, but next week, we're going on the midnight train to Royston. Uh, midnight train to Royston. Yeah, yeah. that is... Uh, that's the name of the episode. I, I, the, I tell you what, Apple has like very little chill. Uh, maybe they'll learn about this. Uh, they have so little chill, uh, about like showing you stuff about the next episode. Like they, when you log into Apple TV, if you've watched the last episode, the net, what you see is not like an image of the show. Sometimes you'll just see the next episode, like the teaser, like the big picture and like the little description. Uh, and so like if you try to get unspoiled on even that, you're going to have a hard time because it's very clear what this is about. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know how much you want to get into what the description said, but that's the next episode. Maybe I don't I know it. I don't want to know. So uh, I think this is a good warning of just like, be careful. <laughs> yeah. You know, Apple is still figuring out television. They really are. This one was released at nine o'clock instead of midnight on, yeah, on a Thursday so like night. Like broke their own protocol with just like the word of mouth of a tweet, which isn't like the end of the world for like a streaming thing, I think. But like at the same time, uh it's uh you know i think it's just like uh, it's indicative of like they're still they're still figuring this stuff out um i'll say i i uh did you check out any foundation the isaac asimov show the based on the books nope. uh it's up on on apple tv plus i checked out the first two that they that they posted uh just to wild, get a base wild ride uh like visually splendiferous uh Watched it on my laptop just as Dennis Villeneuve wants me to. Uh, so uh, check, check, check. it. I don't think that's how you say. His I don't name. think that's so how you either. Say his name. Uh, but foundations there. Like if you're looking for uh, a good sci-fi wreck, right? Is now. he involved in this show, or no, you were just mocking the dune? dune? I'm just mocking the dune. Yeah, uh, he and Chris Nolan are, are fast friends in that. Yeah, regard. yeah, I get it. Uh, so just mocking the dune. Uh, can't wait <laughs> to dune the dune. By the way, I'm really looking forward to dune coming out really, really soon. I can't. Yeah, soon dune. Dune uh, will be soon. Next month. Next month. So that'll be fun. I love the book. So. Uh, I'm very interested to see how they do. Half I just of that read book the book as a this movie. summer. Did you, did, did you finish it? I did finish. Okay, it. Okay, cool. Good to know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. But Foundation was pretty cool. It's got your boy Jared Harris. It's on Apple. If you're looking for a thing, uh, you can check that out. Um, right. Anything else from Ted Lasso this week? I, I feel good. I feel like I got everything out this time. Yeah. I feel like I exercised the demons. Exercise uh, the demons. You got to. You got. All right. Uh, you can now go back into your comfy shoes. Uh, put your comfy shoes. I've been wearing them on. the whole time. I know, me too. My, my comfy Adidas. shoes are bare feet. I put I got socks my, on. My Adidas. Uh, I've been wearing They're, those. Uh, Adidas That's slides. Are they slides? They're my slides. I got, I got my some sli- Adidas slides. Too. I got my slides on. They're very cushy. They have like a very cushy vibe. Well, I got the um, kind that feels like you're stepping on a bed of nails. Oh, that's probably worse. I don't know than what I have. Six one. I guess that's true. Uh, follow this guy at AC Mazzaro on Twitter. Um, how many Z's? How many uh, R's? The amount of episodes left in the season of Ted Lasso and the amount of episodes we podcasted about uh, for this episode. For today. Uh, yeah. So that is going to be two and one. Uh, I'm at Round Howard. Join us in the Discord. Post Show Recaps Patreon program celebrating its first birthday on October 1st. One year of the Post Show Recaps Patreon program. We want you to come hang out with us and celebrate. It's going to be a great month of fun and games. Let me just say... I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you by saying, I know you don't love like sh- shilling all this stuff. I hate it. I think <laughs> I really 
I, this does not. I mean, I, I, I have wanna, to do it though. I want to make clear that I, I, I benefit nothing financially from the amount of patrons and post show recaps one way or the other. I think everybody, if, if you've enjoyed post show recaps as a non patron for a year, for any period of time, one time birthday gift, give Josh a $10 sub, get in the discord, poke around, see what, see what you feel, see if you like it just as a one time thing to celebrate and as a thank you to Josh for all the hard work he's done for everything they've done over the years. Look, you don't have to do anything more than one month. You can just do the $10, see if you like it, poke around in the Discord, check out some of the stuff that's in there, message me about why you hate my Dungeons & Dragons character, whatever it is. Like, Just hop in there as a thank you to Josh. That's that's my pitch for the post-show recaps, patron uh, birthday celebration. It's just to get in there, uh, meet Wario, just give it give it one month. If you, don't, you, know, if, if you can't afford it beyond that, I understand that completely. We've all been there in our lives at various times. And I have no disrespect or there is no, I don't want to shame anybody to feel like they got to give their last 10 bucks up to post your, please do not do that. hundred percent do, do not do, do that. that. No world in which you should do that. Absolutely if you're in not. that position and you really would like to, and you can't afford it, DM me on Twitter. I got you. I got you. Oh my you. God. Yeah. Antonio, what are you doing? I'm not going to do thousands, man. but you know, for the first 10 people, if they want to get in, I'll, I'll do it. If, if they really cannot afford it, no shame in it. You don't have to out yourself to anybody other than me. But I mean, other than that, like I just I think people should should just give you a thank you. I know I would if I were in that seat and I were not connected. Uh, it's just I feel like it's a compassionate, it's a it's a kind gesture, it's a decent thing to do. That's what I would. I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I would urge people to to check in, just to check in and say we're out here, we like what you're doing, and we're going to check out later. But we're yeah. checking in for now. <laughs> we're checking in for like now. Just a quick, it's like the we'll see you on the, the two year anniversary. <laughs> like, don't Josh, don't take it as hate if people yeah, do no, bounce no, out. No, no, I think that's great. I think that's great. That's I'm not a ten dollar patron of anything. Yeah. Of, and, and I and I respect the people that are man. I really do. But uh, I think the Discord is a special place, and I think people are getting a lot of value out of it. I'm really enjoying it, so I think it's worth popping in there just once, take a look, see what you think. Uh, so That's I really would encourage people to do that. That's really kind of I you. The thing I've, I've been saying has been, uh, just give me the chance to disappoint you. You know, like, <laughs> just like give me a shot to like, like, like say, like I keep uh, huckstering it, and then they'll just come in, like relent, and then you're in there, and you're like, no, ugh, not for me. It's like that's yeah. fine. Just give me the shot. Give me the yeah. shot to like really make it clear for you that this is not for you. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, is <laughs> part, part of what makes it special is the people that it is for. Yeah, for sure. I just uh, think that the, I, I'm strongly of the belief because I know what the listener numbers are. I know what the engagement numbers are like. I know people that enjoy this stuff that we don't see in there. I, I strongly believe there are people that it is for. There are lots of them that just aren't in there yet. So yeah. you, if you listen to this, you might be one of them. Uh, and it's probably worth checking out at this point as a thank you to Josh. That's what I would say. I really appreciate that, Antonio. Uh, I will not uh, uh, drone on any further about it because uh, I, I will just ruin whatever uh, goodwill you just bought. Uh, Patreon.com slash post show recaps is the link. It's patreon.com slash post show recaps. We're going to be taking that midnight train to Royston uh, in just a week from now as we get into uh, so closing the book on, we love to say this, the anti-penultimate episode of Ted Lasso <laughs> Season 2 is now in the mirror. The anti-pen. Yeah, we are done with that anti-pen. Uh, I love you, anti-penny. Uh, <laughs> and now we are going into, I love you, penny. Uh, oh, no. The penultimate itself. Uh, midnight train to Royston. I hope the Roy uh, part of Royston is not Roy Kent taking a train because he and Keeley separate. I'm like, that would be brutal. so concerned. Deeply, deeply, deeply worried. I would be lying if I said I wasn't very nervous that that is exactly what's going to be happening. But we'll find out for sure next week when we return with another episode 
of the Ted Lasso podcast. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.